The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome this morning to Breast, Can- Breast Friends uh, Cancer Support Radio. I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 22-year survivor and the co-founder of Breast Friends. Becky's out of town today, so I'm going to jump right into a very important topic. Um, we're going to be talking about how breast cancer affects how we feel about ourselves after the, the, the surgery, after the breast cancer surgery. Whether we've had a lumpectomy, a single mastectomy, a double mastectomy, whether we've chosen to do reconstruction or not, all these decisions affect how we see ourselves as women. Today, our special guest is Dana Donafrey. Dana is the founder and CEO of Ono Ono, an intimates line of women's um, uh, garments who've undergone surgery related to the breast cancer uh, journey here. We'll be talking to her about being a young survivor and what that has really meant to her personally as well as emotionally and how her experience um, with this often hidden side effect of side uh, of breast cancer, our body and how that shapes her life after cancer. Welcome, Dana. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're we're so happy to have you, honey. Um, I just wanted to just t- find out a little bit more about you directly. So, tell me a bit about your life, maybe before breast cancer. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, before breast cancer, I was living, you know, the high life in my in my 20s, um, you know, chasing a successful career in fashion, um, meeting the, the love of my life, uh, getting engaged, planning a wedding, and uh, we were living out in Colorado. We had both uh, moved out there from the East Coast, and, um, and then cancer happened. And uh, it was obviously a a huge shock to us and and our families and our loved ones, of course. Oh, yeah, for sure. And how old were you when that all happened? So I received my diagnosis a day before my 28th birthday and uh, two months before our wedding. Oh, my goodness, two months. So everything was all planned and ready to go, huh? We were planned. Oof. People were booking their tickets. We were uh, oh. we met in Las Vegas, so we planned, you know, to seal the deal in Las Vegas. And um, we had uh, everything was booked: the DJ, the photographer. I, I mean, it was you know, it was all done. It was two months before the wedding, so wow. uh, we had to just kind of, you know, figure things out from there. I mean, you know, I remember the first question I was asking my doctors was, uh, you know, oh my, oh my God, my my wedding's in two months. 
months. Can I, can I like get my treatment done in two months? <laughs> and yeah. looked at me like, you poor thing. Like, no, you're not oh. going to be done in two months. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, how, how frightening that must've been. So, so tell us about your, actually your, your diagnosis and the treatment part of it. Um, wow. That, did you have to do all the chemo and everything? Yeah. Huh? So, um, you know, it was, it was an interesting, uh, journey for me. I actually, you know, had, um, you know, I was 27 years old at the time. Didn't, you know, breast cancer was not the forefront of my mind. You know, I tell people all the time, like you see all these ads and these, uh, promotions to make sure that you're doing your annual, you know, your monthly breast exams. And, but I was that girl that, you know, I was like, oh, I'm 27. You know, what's going to happen when you're 27? And, you know, so I kind of took my annual uh, visit to the gynecologist as my self-breast exam because I figured, hey, if there's a professional, there's a professional. And, of course, you know, I had my fiancé at the time. So I was like, you know, if something's weird, he may feel it. You know, like there was just other precautions exactly. in my life. Sure. And um, so I had had my uh, breast exam in December. And I found the lump myself just haphazardly. My wrist rubbed up against the top part of my breast tissue in January. Mm. And um, oddly, my my best friend and my sister had both found lumps a a few months prior, but they had gone to the doctor and it was that, you know, those cystic growths that a lot of young women with uh, dense breast tissue deal with. Sure. And so I I thought to myself, oh, I'm sure this is nothing, right? I'm sure this is just the same, but... Listen, they went to the doctor. I should go to the doctor. Um, and then things quickly progressed uh, with me from there. So In I a was different direction than your friends, huh? A different direction. I said, I'm pretty sure my friends didn't get asked to go to an ultrasound. And the ultrasound mm. didn't lead to a mammogram. And the mammogram didn't lead to a biopsy. So it was mm. kind of just every step of the way, I was like, okay, this is not good. Like, this is not the, this is not the sign where your doctor pats you on the back and sends you out, you know, on your merry way. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I was very, very fortunate, and my doctors to this day tell me I was very fortunate because the lump was really up in the top part of my breast tissue, like very close to my armpit. Mm. And um, the doctors really said, you know, we just don't even really feel up there um, too much. And uh, it was a, a really bizarre place. And so I found the lump in January. I had the biopsy and the results done by the middle of February, and I had it removed in the middle of March. And um, it had literally been doubling in size every month. Oof, and yeah. uh, so it was very aggressive, and, and we caught it at stage one. There was no lymph node involvement. Uh, I was HER2 positive and ER positive, so I um, went through six rounds of chemotherapy. Mm. Um, after I finished a bilateral mastectomy, uh, I got the expanders put in at that time, and then um, you know went throughout the expanding process and finished my chemo, which um, was just a horrific journey for me. Uh, and then I had uh, Herceptin for the whole year afterwards. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's a long journey. So I'm sure our listeners are wondering, so... Did you go through with the wedding in the middle of all this, or did you postpone it? Well, you know, we postponed it, and and the main reason was was because of, of two reasons. One, um, we knew my cancer was very aggressive when I was diagnosed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, uh, the second I was diagnosed, I was literally in surgery within uh, like under ten days. I mean, yeah. the, the surgeons rearranged their schedules; they got me in as quickly as they could. And um, so I, I had the mastectomy, and, and really the advice to me was, you know, you can have your mastectomy, you can have your surgery, you can go to your wedding, mm-hmm. and then you can come back and start chemo. Like, 
there is no, there, you know, there's no passing. What is that monopoly? <laughs> you know, like, you're going to not pass go. No passing go. <laughs> you know. Oh dear. And so I was like, wow. You know, I, I sat with my fiance and I just said, you know, this is not the way I want to remember this day in our lives. Yeah. And um, I, I made a deal with my doctors and my staff that was helping me get through my treatment. I said, I'm postponing this wedding for one year. I said, can we, I've got to get through all my surgeries, all my treatments. We've got to do this in one year. And um, I literally had my port removed 30 days before we flew for our wedding. So it was tight. Yeah, it was tight for sure. Oh, my gosh. And how did your fiancé handle all that? You know, um, we were both very scared uh, incredibly scared and, and frightened. And, you know, for me... I, you know, I remember getting the call from the doctor. I was actually out shopping for my honeymoon with my mother and my soon-to-be mother-in-law because the other kicker was I was in Ohio celebrating my bridal shower at the time where the doctor called me and told me I had cancer. And um, it was just, yeah, it it was, the timing was just awful. I was awful, but it was amazing at the same time because I was surrounded by people that love me and care for me. Exactly, yes, which um, that is a huge piece of it, isn't it? Huge, huge. I mean, I don't think I've ever cried and or laughed so hard in my life when, you know, when my cousins and my aunts and my best friends were coming to the door and I was hugging them. I'm like, thank you for coming to my bridal shower. I have cancer. Oh, jeez. you know, we just, I was like, and here's my introductory into this really wild party that we're about to have. Oh, um, boy. But, you know, it was just, I looked at both of them, and we were shopping, shopping for honeymoon clothes, because I was a New York City girl. Like, I didn't own anything that wasn't black. And we're <laughs> going to some beach in Mexico. I'm like, I need a flowery dress, I think. I don't know. And, um, and I looked at them, and I just looked at them. I said, you know, we're going to, we can put all of this stuff away, because I'm not going to be getting married. And, you know, I, just the devastation in my mother-in-law's face and my mom's face. And, but that's what I really felt like. I felt like being diagnosed at 27 years old, 28 years old, I was damaged goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know how my, you know, fiancé was going to handle that. And, you know, there was one time where I just, you know, I said to him, I said, listen, I was like, this is your, you know, get out free card. And I will totally understand if you're not in for this ride because, like, this isn't what we thought our life was going to be like. And I'll never forget the day he looked at me and he was like, you are absolutely out of your mind. Oh, bless his heart. He's a keeper. (laughs) And that's when I knew. I was like, all right, all right. This guy is going to be stuck with me forever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I know I know when I was diagnosed, and I wasn't nearly as young as you, but I, I went through it um, 10 days after I turned 40, I was diagnosed. So yeah. I can certainly relate to that. And I remember my doctor actually having a conversation with me after the lump was removed, and mine was rushed very quickly as well. So I was diagnosed on a Tuesday. The next Tuesday, I had a lumpectomy. The next Tuesday, I had a mastectomy with reconstruction. Wow. And um, he told me when when we had a conversation after I'd had the mastectomy, he said he could tell it had grown from when he felt it on that very first Tuesday till the day he removed it. Wow. So, wow. yeah, I get, I get that urgency that you were feeling, certainly... 
Um, mine was a stage two. Again, no lymph node involvement, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, just knowing your own body, and, and I actually found mine uh, kind of by accident as well. And um, I had a funny little pain, and it just, like, jolted me out of my chair practically. And I started mm-hmm. poking around, and there was something that wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, so I definitely understand that. So... So, all right, let's get back into your story then. So, so as you went through these this treatment, and you mentioned the 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 uh, mastectomies, reconstruction immediately, then doing the chemo, all of that, all at one time. So, were there any particular moments or experiences that felt maybe even more amplified because you were you were so young, you were in your twenties? Well. You know, I mean, making the decision, the very first decision as to what I was going to do with my breasts was was huge for me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I think that being a young woman, a lot of questions get flooded into your life very quickly. You're getting asked, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep your breasts or are you going to remove them? Do you want to have children? Are you thinking about fertility treatments? And they're just like, what, what, what? I have to make all these decisions like right now within weeks. Right. Um, and, you know, I was, I was very fortunate that for my fiancé and I, we weren't expecting to have a family. Um, it wasn't in our life goal um, to, to build a family. And I, I was lucky there because I didn't have to go down the road for all the fertility information and tried to do that on top of my treatment. I was just able to focus on getting healthy. Right. And, um, and, you know, but the, the, the surgery was a really big decision for me. I was young. I was healthy. I was exercising. I was really taking care of myself. And, um, you know, working out and being athletic was important to me. And I wasn't sure what my body was going to do after I, you know, decided to do reconstruction or not do reconstruction. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what I really ended up deciding was, you know, my cancer was aggressive and, um, you know, I, I did have smaller options because, because of those markers. Um, but when it came to choosing to remove one or two breasts, I just, I really wanted to know that I was taking my life into control to whatever possibility I, I, I could, you know, and if I right. could remove one of the variables of mm-hmm. a future reoccurrence or a, even new cancer, I was going to give my, my body that opportunity. And, yeah, um, yeah. and, and I thought, too, with the reconstruction, because at first I was like, oh, this just seems so weird. Why am I going to build these boobs that aren't going to really do anything for me? They're just, they're just <laughs> ornamental at this point in time. And I understood all of that, but I was just kind of like, you know, I have a really long life to live, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, this is going to be a good placeholder for now. It's going to help me ease into this life. And if I don't like it or I hate it, guess what? I can always remove them. But I couldn't really necessarily take the step in the reverse. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot figuring all of that out and researching and educating yourself was extremely overwhelming. And yeah. I think as a young woman, I was, I was diagnosed in Colorado. So a lot of who I was talking to and a lot of who I was connected to were older women. And um, they just had a different view about their bodies and their breasts than what I did as a 27-year-old woman. Yeah, I can um, imagine that's that's very true. And now, do you have the BRCA de- the BRCA gene mutation? 
I do not. I um, have a very faint family history. My my mother's sister um, was diagnosed 35 years ago when she was in her 30s. So she was quite young, and that was quite rare um, back in that day. Mm -hmm. And uh, she received a a partial mastectomy because that's what they did back then. And um, I think radiation seeds, where they actually planted the seeds in in the breast tissue. And and she's still with us today. Oh, that's good. That is, it's amazing. So I said, you know what, if, if those are the genetics I have or those are the genes I have, I will take them. And, right, um, exactly. You know, they haven't been identified yet, but, um, you know, I'm hopeful that, you know, it's, you know, we were both very young in, in terms of the whole thing. So who, who knows if there's a connection. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I was just curious about that. Well, we're getting close to a, a break, but I just wanted to you know, um, just ask you maybe one more question about how you were able to really, I don't know, cope maybe is the word, but but just kind of wrap your head around, you know, all of this craziness that you were going through. How did you, how did you deal with it? You know, I have to be perfectly honest and, and tell you I don't think I did. Okay. <laughs> That's an honest answer because it's so common. I mean, you just kind of put one foot in front of the other and just, you know, do what the doctors tell you to do. You know, like go from one appointment to the next. I, I did. I just, I, I went like a bull and I charged ahead and I, I didn't really cope with anything. And I'll tell you what, I didn't cope with anything until I was really actually about six months out of my treatment and I lost. One of my dear friends that was oddly diagnosed very close to the time oh, that I was diagnosed. Boy. Oh boy! And then and, having um, to deal with the whole immortality issue of your friend. Ooh boy! So so when that happened, that's mm-hmm. when it hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Well, let's just take a quick short break here. Um, I want to encourage callers, if you want to ask um, Dana something or if you want to tell us your story, uh, give us a call at 1-866-472-5792. We'll be back just in a couple of minutes. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health & Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. 
To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. Um, we're with our guest, Dana Donafree, founder of Ono Ono. So when we were on break there, um, Dana, we talked about, this was actually six years ago that you were diagnosed, huh? Correct. Yeah, I was diagnosed in 2010, so I just um, celebrated. I've celebrated my five-year twice because uh, when your cancerversary is on your birthday, <laughs> you, find, you find a way to celebrate. So um, we really celebrated my true five-year post-treatment um, celebration here on my, on my last birthday, and, and that was Perfect. really wonderful. Yeah, and I think we look at our birthdays a little differently. And, of course, being that you were diagnosed so close to your birthday, I'm sure you look at yours still a little differently as well. <laughs> it's it's true. You know, I, I give my birthday now is like my next. It, it actually truly, you know, feels like a birthday. It's yeah. really, truly one more year I was here. So Yes, exactly. And we need to celebrate each and every one of them. I know I, I um, you know, you get to these these. Uh, uh, hard, harder birthdays, like 50 or 60 or something like that, and you're kind of like, oh, but you know what? I'm here. I'm here. I can celebrate. So those are really important birthdays. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk a little bit more about your experience with your body image and your self-esteem after having a double mastectomy with reconstruction. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? Especially at 28 years old. It it was a lot, and, um, you know, I felt like I was a strong person. I was always, um, you know, I would never say I was uh, super confident um, before breast cancer. I was just, you know, I always had questions and doubts about my body and, you know, was I fit enough, was I too chubby, you know, all of those questions that, you know, women go through naturally, um, you know, I, I struggled with. Especially and, living um, in New York. Especially living in New York. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. My daughter, my daughter lives in Brooklyn, and she's a, a hairstylist. And uh, you know, I've really noticed how different that environment is than it is in like Portland, where we are. So, yeah, and it's not. You know, it's it's not that um, you you put a lot of it on yourself. Of course, it's you not do. Like society always does it, right? And and but. You know, when you're surrounded, I was in the high fashion industry, right? So when you're yeah. surrounded by beautiful, tall, thin models all the time, you just yeah. feel a little out of it. Yeah. You know, well, like, oh, well, Even you know. when you're normal. <laughs> even when you're normal. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I should go run for an hour on the treadmill. You know? like, it was a different level of uh, motivation. But, you know, so I kind of felt like when I was going into it, I'm like, okay, my boob, you know, boob schmoobs. You know, like I was never big into my breasts. I didn't have big breasts. I never used them as cleavage. I just, they were just a part of my body. And, you know, it wasn't really something I self-identified with necessarily. Um, But when I lost them, it was jarring. It was very jarring. And um, all I kept seeing was the scars. Mm -hmm. And all the scars reminded me of was the breast cancer. Right, right. And... It wasn't that I didn't feel great in my body or my body had changed so dramatically that I was unhappy with it. It was 
it was the aftermath. It's like the war zone. Like your body's now the war zone and mm-hmm. it's trying to be rebuilt. And, you know, I'll, I'll never kind of forget that first time looking in the mirror where I hopped out of the shower and my hair's kind of growing back and my eyebrows are now missing. And, you know, I've got these, I, I called them my Lego boobs because <laughs> my expanders <laughs> were like the, the square kind. They were like building blocks on my chest. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, you know, I had the scars and I had the, you know, the big knobby port sticking out of my arm. And I just like looked at myself like, who am I? You know, yeah. what, what happened to this? me? <laughs> what happened to me? Yeah. And I think that that's more confusing than like just the attachment to the breast. It's the whole picture, the whole mm-hmm. body. Yeah. Um, and I really struggled with that because that led me into struggling with my identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't sure how to dress. I, I, first of all, I couldn't dress. I couldn't wear any of my old clothes because none of them fit me anymore because they didn't fit around my chest. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't put on a beautiful pair of, of underwear or lingerie to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any hair to do. I wasn't a huge makeup wearer. So to now all of a sudden ask me to start drawing on eyebrows and wearing mascara and putting eyeliner on, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I threw on some powder on my face and I would just leave the door. Right. And um, so it was just kind of like, it, it rattled my whole world, and I ended up finding myself, like, living in sports bras and sweatshirts and yoga pants. And I'm like, this, like, I don't feel good about myself living like this. It was almost like one thing kind of piled on top of another on top of another, and then it inadvertently started affecting my body image right, and my right. self-consciousness and my self-confidence. So, so did, you, did you talk to somebody about this, or was this all kind of that internal dialogue? It was really the internal dialogue because, you know, I, I guess there's, there's maybe a, a shamefulness involved as well where you say, oh, so, so what, I don't feel pretty? I don't right. feel pretty right now? Like, maybe I'm Like, that's really important right when my, I'm really fighting for my life here. Right. Like, I have other things to worry about. Like, are my platelets yeah. going to come back or am I going to need to go get another infusion? Like, right. yeah, you know, exactly. it's just, it, it's like, you feel like, why... And now I look back on this, I'm like, why didn't I want to feel pretty? Like, I just, I don't know, maybe that was the depressive side of what I was dealing with with the treatment. Um, you know, people always said, oh, God, Dana, you look so great today. And, oh, you look so nice. Or that scarf is so pretty. And, you know, people were always com- complimenting me. But at the end of the day, I like, even now I look back at these pictures and I'm like, you guys were lying straight to my face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, but we, we I was need to green, hear it, though. <laughs> I was gray, I was puffy, I was not puffy, yeah. I was dehydrated. Like, there's nothing that was pretty about any of that, that moment of time in my life. But, you know, I mean, you know, I think people do want to encourage you to, you know, feel good about yourself during those moments. And, um, but, you know, for me, it was a, it was a really big struggle. Yeah. And and finding the right bra. I remember, you know, the when when I had my reconstruction done, um, you know, I was kind of like you. My my breasts were not like a huge piece of my identity, um, but but they were a different shape. You know, these these reconstructed breasts were not like my old ones. And right. And so they didn't fit in the bra the same way and all of that. And so um, was that hard for you, too? Well, it was super hard for me because I think that, um, you know, I, again, being 28 years old, 
I asked my doctor once I went through a very similar situation and I, you know, went back to my bra drawer and, and tried to find, you know, put on all of my old pretty bras that I, you know, probably spent a small fortune on, you know, hanging out <laughs> yeah. in, my, in my dresser. And um, it was just one right after the, num- the next, boom, into the trash, boom, into the trash. And I was just like, this is unbelievable. But, okay, expectable. Like, maybe my boobs are different because now they're a different size because I actually wasn't able to go as small as I was before cancer. So they were a little bit bigger. And I said, okay, so, you know, I kind of get this. But then I went shopping, nothing fit. And then I asked my doctor. They sent me to the mastectomy store. And that was by far the worst experience out of everything because it was just like I was feeling bad about myself. I was already down in the dumps. I already realized that all this beautiful stuff I owned and had invested money in and fashion in is gone. And then I walk into a mastectomy store, you know, and I get delivered the the 12 mastectomy bras that are, you know, a beautiful shade of beige. (laughs) Don't you love those beige? Yes. Straps Mm -hmm. that are, you know, an inch thick and the bridges come all the way up to the collarbone and, and, you know, this, the, the fitter at the time was just like, well, honey, you need to try these on. I said, but I, I won't wear these. <laughs> even, even if they fit, I'm not going to wear them. And she encourages me to try them on. And so I tried them on and I left feeling worse about myself because mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, not only is the one place that I'm able to go to actually dress my body, they have nothing for me. Right. And right. that was really, that was a moment in a very pitiful, pivotal time in my treatment where that's the moment when I really realized that my body had been forever changed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. There, was, there was no going back. Yeah, and, and just feeling feminine and pretty again is, I think, difficult anyway, um, like you mentioned. Um, right. But then when one of the ways that you... I guess maybe felt beautiful was was in your pretty under undies or lingerie that you had invested money and time into. Well, I mean, and listen, I was engaged. I was in my twenties, you know. Exactly. My my biggest question was, how am I going to take off my clothes when my fiance and I want to get intimate? I mean, exactly. I didn't know how to be naked anymore in front of anybody. Yeah. Um, Good point. I, I, I knew how to get out of the shower, <laughs> and I knew how to go put my sports bra on. Right, right. I didn't know h- how to react to, to that moment. And, yeah. um, and, and too, that was a, a huge vehicle for me developing and launching Anna Ono because I, I said to myself, well, if I can't take off my clothes because I don't feel confident enough to do it, I need to be wearing something pretty so that when – all of the layers come off. There's a beautiful adornment on my on my chest instead of like uh, a neon green sports bra. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. nobody so, feels sexy in a sports bra. <laughs> exactly. And did, did I don't you, care how good those ads look. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you end up having um, like nipple tattoos or anything that that kind of took away from the scars? Well, I, I didn't um, go the nipple route because that was the one um, piece of me that I, I wanted to hold intact. And, and oh. I'm a creative person and I'm, okay, uh, you know, somewhat of an alternative thinker. So I tattooed a tree of life around my chest. Oh, how nice. I bet yes. it's beautiful. Yeah. So I have a beautiful cherry blossom uh, tree of life tattooed around my mastectomy scars. It's shaped in this beautiful, like, 
shape of what I wanted to do as like a demi-bra because I couldn't wear any bras, so I wanted it to look like it was at least the shaping of a bra. Okay. And, um, and I covered all of my mastectomy scars that way. What a smart idea. You know, I've actually heard of, of, uh, of even tattooing like lace kind of around and covering those scars as well. So that, yours sounds beautiful, and I can imagine that probably helped at least walking out of the shower and feeling at least looking at that rather than all the scars. Well, I got to see something beautiful instead of something ugly. And I'm not saying that scars are ugly, but to me, they represented an ugly time in my life. Right. A very hard time in your life. A very hard time in my life. And and for, for me, I... That that tattoo isn't just about the tattoo. It's about that moment where I took a little bit of me back and I said, this is the way mm-hmm. I'm going to do. I like cancer. that. This is what yeah. I'm going to do with my body. And yeah. it gave me that opportunity to take a little bit of that strength back. I like that idea a lot. So so let's just talk about Ana Ono just a little bit. And we'll be going on a break in a minute. But I just wanted to at least get um, how did you decide you wanted to start something like this? Well, you know, it was it was just so crazy because, you know, I, I was actually letting the whole process of dressing start running my life. I mean, I was young. I had no bank account. I, can, I worked through my entire treatment. I think I took off two or three weeks for my surgery, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I, I had to keep going on with my life, and I had to get dressed every morning, and I was realizing it was running and ruining my day. And I just kept complaining and complaining and complaining about it. And um, I kind of laughed because I must have woken up in a hot flash in the middle of the night because, like you do, (laughs) three or four times. Yes. (laughs) But but this hot flash brought me an image of um, the future. And I just said to myself, you know, I'm a fashion designer, I understand the fashion business and developing the business and designing what I need. Why, why aren't I doing something about this? Why am I not making my own bras? And, and that's all I was going to do. And then it dawned on me. I started talking to other women, and I just opened up Pandora's box because they would go on and on and on about how awful it was shopping, how horrible the options were. Everybody was seeing what I was seeing, and I said, you know what? I think I'm crazy enough to try to do this. And, um, and that's, that's when it all happened. That's amazing. And, and again, you know, it may not have been in the plan that you had, but it's wonderful when we take something like an experience with cancer and turn it into a passion that obviously you have around fashion. And so you've married those two things in such a way where now you're giving back to the rest of us who are going through this, which is fabulous. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really, really amazing. I love, I love that when it happens. So um, we just have a couple more minutes before break, but um, I wanted to just ask you a quick question. You had mentioned... Something about Victoria's Secret. How did that have anything to do with your role with uh, Ana Ono? So, uh, you know, it took me a long time to develop the brand and the uh, prototypes because I was working my full-time job as well um, throughout the same timing. And so, you know, a lot of my friends and, and relatives all knew I was kind of working on this idea 
And um, it had happened in the beginning of, let's see, what was it now? I guess the beginning of 2013. I don't know if you remember that change.org petition that went out for that mother and daughter to, like, you know, try to get Victoria's Secret to carry a survivor line. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Uh-huh. It was huge. It went viral. It went everywhere. And, of course, everybody's emailing it to me and telling me that, you know, oh, my God, this is really taking off, and it's in the news, and it's here, and it's there. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, no, no. Like, I, I, I can't go against Victoria's Secret. Are you kidding me? I'll lose. And, um, and so, you know, I, I was kind of like, okay, but I get it. You know, the world is, is awakening. We're all understanding we have a problem here. And, um, and then a few weeks later, Jill Conley was on Good Morning America for this documentary that told, told a story about her life in The Light That Shines by Sue Bryce. And, and she, at the end of her interview, says, I challenge Victoria's Secret to put a survivor in the million-dollar bra. And so, again, my Facebook feed and, you know, email starts blowing up from all my friends and family that have seen this beautiful young woman on Good Morning America say Victoria's Secret <laughs> mastectomy bras again. And I said, oh, you know, the world is crumbling around me. I'm not working fast enough. I have all these great ideas, but I'm broke. <laughs> I'm trying to start a business. <laughs> yeah. And I just, you know, I had some really, really confident uh, helpful friends that picked me up off of my creative floor that I crashed down on, and they were just like, you know, Dana, you have a point of view. You have a story, you have an idea, and you have a, a fashion. And I said, you know what, you're right. So, so what if Victoria's Secret wants to do it? Go, go let them. Like, they're not going to be as good as I am. And they're not going to be as good as Anna Ono. And so that was kind of where I got the courage to, to go back out there and, and keep going and, and keep trying to develop an amazing line that was going to work for all of us. Well, good for you, honey. Let, let me take us out to break for just a minute, and then we'll be back to talk about this a little bit more. But in the meantime, I want to encourage callers to call 1-866-472-5792. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. 
You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. We're back from our break. Um, we've been talking about feeling feminine and feeling good um, after going through breast surgeries. And um, we have Dana with us from Ana Ono. So we were just talking about this whole thing about Victoria's Secret, but Victoria's Secret didn't actually put out a mastectomy bra, did they? No, you know, they, they publicly turned it down. And, and, you know, I think that that was, uh, I, I'm very respectful of that. I think that they have a target audience that, um, you know, wouldn't necessarily be addressed with doing a survivor line. But, you know, I think it was a bigger it was a bigger deal for me because they really opened the conversation. They opened up yeah. the door because we weren't talking about how our bodies were so different. And we weren't talking about how survivors should feel sexy after cancer. So, you know, by having such a platform that Victoria's Secret does have, you know, I think we were able to expose this side of, of these women's lives that, you know, hadn't really necessarily been talked about before. And it makes sense, too, because like we mentioned earlier you know while you're going through this and even after the fact um you feel bad about wanting your sexy back sometimes because well at least i've lived through this or you know i I, i'm just trying to save my life well no it's it's much more it's about quality of life um after you've gone through all of this craziness and so feeling good in your own skin again is important Yeah, and I think the quality of life conversation is an important one to have because we should feel good about ourselves and we should love ourselves. And it's, you know, we we are a little bit damaged through that journey and we have to get it back and it happens in phases. And, you know, I had an email from one woman that um, right when I had launched, she's like, oh my God, where have you been? I've been wearing a sports (laughs) bra for the last 15 years. And yeah, exactly. I was just like, but but that's is what we did. We just sucked it up and we just kept going. And um, so it was, it was really encouraging to get those notes and those messages from my customers because you know sometimes you feel like you're in this crazy world where you're like, is it just me? Yeah, and yeah. And, and that's why you know at Anna Ono our slogan is never alone because. I feel nice. like no matter what we've been through, no matter what st- story I hear from uh, another fellow sister, I'm likely hearing that same story or those same challenges or the same problems from another woman. Absolutely. And, um, and I think we need to openly have, you know, a line of dialogue and communication about it so we don't feel alone, so we don't feel like, is this just me? Yeah, and getting your mojo back, whether it's in the bedroom, you know, with the, with our partners, or just feeling good, like you said, in your clothes or in your underwear, and just feeling good about yourself, that all makes a difference because, again, when we do feel good about ourselves, we can go on to live our best lives. We can make a difference right. in other people's lives, which is right. what you're doing, which is wonderful. So, um... What do you feel like the, your your moment, your turning point might have been um, with your own bra design uh, that that made you feel better? You know, it just was about um, that that underlying confidence, that fact that I knew that it was a little piece of normalcy that I was missing in my life because I was having to kind of you know dress differently and then dress differently on top of my undergarments. And it was just the simple fact that I could wear something beautiful that fit 
that wasn't going to peek out of my blouse like, you know, undergarments I had worn before. That really was my turning point. And, um, you know, I can honestly say I don't wear anything else except for my own designs anymore. And every time I do try to just be like, oh, well, this is kind of, you know, because it's fashion, right? Here's a cute little girl. Maybe I'll try it on. I'm like, nope, doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't work. Doesn't fit. Yeah. Yep. And, yep. you know, I, I, I sleep in them. I go to the gym in them. I, you know, wear a nice summer dress. And it's just like, you know, and, and even people that don't know I have breast cancer come up and they're like, oh, my God, that's such a cute little bra. You know, like, oh, what are you wearing? You know, that's so cute, that little peekaboo in the back or whatever. And I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's my bra line and da, 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 da. And I tell them the story and it's just, you know, it's, that's who I was before. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was a, a fashion statement. I would wear, you know, cool, funky things. And I, I got to be me again, you know, and I, I know it sounds crazy that a bra did that, but it really brought me full circle back around into finding my true identity. And again, matching that passion that you have for the fashion industry with an experience that you had. That's huge right there. So do, do women other than breast cancer um, patients, survivors, wear your line or is it pretty much directed toward them? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because when I launched the line, um, you know, a, a quick story, I thought, I was like, okay, nobody's making bras for women with reconstructive surgery. Nobody's making bras for young women with reconstructive surgery. I was like, that's who I'm dressing. And I quickly, quickly learned that I was so entirely wrong because women of all ages want to feel beautiful and sexy. I have a woman who's 76 years old that I think owns every color of every style (laughs) that I design. And, um, you know, so I think... That uh, personal expression is a personal expression of self, and that has no age boundaries. And what really started happening was even though I, I, I launched the line for women with reconstruction, I had a huge outcry from women that wanted pocketed bras. Right. And I, when I, you know, I'm a small business, right? I've, I've self-funded this entire project myself. So wow. when I looked at the market, I said, oh, you know, there are players in pocketed bras. I can't compete with them. There's no way. I could never I could never compete with them. But then I realized how unhappy the women that do need pocketed bras are with the options. And so then I said, Oh my gosh, I need pocketed bras. And then I started talking to women lumpectomies and they're like, Oh, the scar, it's right in the fold of my breast, it's right on the side. I can't wear an underwire because it just pokes on the scar all day long. And I said, right. Well, listen, my bras are underwire free. I said, Why don't you just try one on? Let's see if it works. Maybe it won't have the support you want. Maybe it will. Let's see. Oh my God. And love and love and love. And then that's when I realized what I was about to do here. I was like, <gasps> What? Like women with natural breasts, women with reconstructed breasts, women with unilateral you know, bilateral, and, like, even women that live their life flat and fabulous, they want bras, too, you know? They have the scarring on their chest, and they want to wear a see-through blouse, or they want to feel sexy, or they want something against their skin because it provides them comfort. And so I I really started taking all of these considerations into mind. You know, every new design I'm developing, I'm developing because I've heard of a problem or a challenge from another woman. So it's... It's been a, a, a You're big listening. growth since, You're you know, since I launched. You're listening to us. <laughs> I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm one. I had reconstruction done, and uh, one day after many years, I looked down and I went, oh, what happened? Where'd you go? And my implant had sprung a leak. <gasps> yes. 
Yeah. yeah. And so I ended up having the other side deflated because I was not working full time with Breast Friends at that time. And I decided, okay, I wanted at least a, you know, a matching set of nothing, if nothing else, for a right. while until I could go back and have surgery. Well, one thing led to another, and I've never gone back. I have decided that I didn't really want to go through a surgical procedure again. Right. So I've been wearing right. pocketed bras with the prosthesis now for many years. And it's fascinating because, again, we're all built a little differently. Whatever skin's left over and things are different. And uh, one of the things that I would love you to, to do I'll take this as a as a hint for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is I like the little camisole look across the the two because unfortunately the way I'm built, um, if if I'm wearing the wrong bra, I can see clear down to my toes. Right. right. <laughs> and that's right. not a good look when you have a low, you know, a, a, a top on, you know, that everyone else can see to your toes too. Exactly. So um, exactly. <laughs> yes. So having that camisole is helpful for me. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I hear that a lot. I hear a, a lot of um, what's what's great about you know what I'm doing and in this community. I I love our community. I mean, you know, we I think we chatted about this earlier. It's you know, it's a, it's a club you never want to join, but once you're in, you're you're in for life. And yep. the amazing mm-hmm. women you meet along the way is just so impactful. And um, and I, I get a lot of feedback, which I just think is awesome because I want to, you know, do as much as I can and I want to help as many women as I can. And so um, I'm always welcoming feedback and ideas and, um, you know, always <laughs> trying to incorporate them as I, you know, as the line builds and, and grows. So I'm, I'm whenever you have an you. idea, always Absolutely. reach out. <laughs> Perfect. I'll be happy to. So, um so how are you getting the message out? Because obviously with social media platforms, I'm sure you're, you're probably, um, you know, trying to work with those. But how do you get your message out to uh, women who need your products? You know, I, I mean, that's a, it's a very big challenge. It's something um, I've faced since I've launched the brand. Uh, you know, I mean, being self-funded and doing this all myself, it's not like I have, you know, a rich family sending me checks to, to do my business or, you know, and investors handing me over cash. I just, you know, I take one step at a time, and I've been, I've been very fortunate because um, I, I call them the Anna Ono ambassadors, right, because a, a lot of the women that – you know, come and shop me and get the styles they like. They really just start telling everybody. And um, I've been so grateful and so thankful for that because, um, you know, as one survivor, we sadly, unfortunately, know many and or a few. And uh, so once, you know, once that word of mouth starts running and they go and share the information with their doctors and then their doctors are really excited because now they have something they can offer to their patients and the doctor's offices call me and they want cards and want me to send them information and it's just been like, I know it sounds incredibly grassroots, but, and it is, (laughs) but it is working and I think that that's um, where I've been really fortunate is that, you know, everybody's really helping to support me and, and get behind me to, you know, help make this a success and, and help, you know, change the lives of, of women. And um, so, you know, I mean, I just keep pushing forward. Some of the press I've gotten has been unbelievable. And I've been so incredibly lucky that, you know, platforms like USA Today and the Today Show and Daily Mail have helped share my story. It really, you know, those 
those platforms really reach women everywhere. So I've been incredibly grateful for that. Well, that's great. And and again, you can tell you're passionate about what you do and um, the products that you've created. So that's always wonderful to get behind. Um, so so how do you how do you think uh, Ana Ono's um, working toward making the change or making making it's possible for for people to feel good about themselves? You know, I mean, what's really important to me is the message. And, you know, I think that for me especially, I want to talk about how I felt about my body. I want to talk about my sexuality and my intimacy issues with my husband. I want to talk about how cancer affects this part of your life because that was the one red flag nobody waved for me when I was diagnosed. And I didn't know about it. I didn't know I was going to have these challenges. I didn't know this was going to be my life. And, you know, feeling good about yourself or feeling sexy, especially if it comes to you and a partner or maybe you're dating or whatever those stories are, like, I really feel like Ana Ono is the foundation for that, you know, because you can put on your hot little matching bra and panty underneath your pretty black dress, whether you're going out on a date or out with your girlfriends or you know, out with your husband um, or your partner. It's just, I want you to have that courage and have that conversation because it's a hard conversation for us to have um, about it. And and that's really the heart of Anna Ono was because I couldn't be intimate with my fiance. So, right. you know, I want to make sure that those conversations and those topics are being out there because there's a lot of women that don't know other women to have that conversation. We're saying, you know, Maybe intimate, you know, maybe intercourse is, is painful or maybe you don't feel like doing it because you're on hormone therapy or all of the millions of side effects and things that we go through. You know, I don't want women to feel like they're alone when they're, yeah. you know, facing that part of their life. Um, well, that's, that's great. Well, we've only got two more minutes before we close our show for today. So tell, tell our listeners, how do we get your products? So you go to anaono.com, which is A-N-A-O-N-O. The whole line is is listed um, online. I'm also starting to be carried in specialty mastectomy boutiques. So if you have any suggestions of a mastectomy boutique in your area that you think I'd be a great fit for, I'd love to reach out for them. Um, Our new pocketed line should be covered by insurance um, as long as you're in with the right uh, mastectomy boutique. So take a peek at that. And, um, and yeah, and I answer all the emails on the other end. So if you have any questions about fit or sizing or what's best for your surgery and your shape, please feel free to email me. I will do my best to get you into something beautiful. Oh, that's exciting. So do you have one just maybe quick um, bit of advice for newly diagnosed women? I think my advice is, is, is to... Um, you know, really keep your spirit as high as it can be because I think surrounding yourself with happy and supportive people will get you through the darkest times. And if you surround yourself with negativity, it's going to be a really tough journey. And um, you may lose some people very near and dear to you because of that. But if you don't put yourself forward, you know, you will, you will fall behind. Yes, and put, put yourself first. 
Yes, I, exactly. I definitely will agree with that for it. Well, thank you, Dana, so much for being on the show today. This has been lovely talking to you and finding out a little bit more about your line and how you're really making a difference with other women who are going through something similar as you and I have gone through. So uh, on that, we'll be back next week. And until then, remember, there's always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thanks. <music> Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.